Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. Right, let's get into it. My first guest is Michelle North, client coverage executive from CoreShares, and she's also an ETF expert. And tonight we're looking at how to shop for the right ETF. And I think it's very important for us to first understand what exactly is an ETF, an exchange traded fund. So basically it's a listed investment product that tracks the performance of a basket of shares, bonds, or a single commodity. And it's been around for a long time. The first uh, exchange traded fund was listed on the JSE about 20 years ago. We now have a wide selection of different ETFs available on the market, which you can invest in both locally and internationally through our JSE. So let's invite Michelle onto the show. A very good evening to you, Michelle. Thanks so much for your time. Hi, Smitra. Thanks so much for having me. So I gave a brief description, but take us through it. Um, let's start with what exactly is an exchange-traded fund. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we all are familiar with, you know, unit trust or the, you know, collective investment kind of schemes. ETFs fall under that same structure. They're regulated by all the same regulations, but they're listed and trading on the JSC which makes them extremely um, accessible. And it means that anybody with a stockbroking account or an online share trading account or any sort of, you know, where you can trade any of the shares that are listed on the JSC, you'd, you'd also be able to access these these investments. And, you know, and they, they're, they've also been called the democratization of investing mm. because there's one fee class for everybody. So these, you know, these are appropriate for all types of investors, large and small. So you mentioned unit trust, and that's a more traditional one. A lot of people know about it. What is the difference between the unit trust and an ETF? So, you know, the, the, the main difference is really the operating environment. So, you know, unit trusts are, are listed on um, what we call lists. So, you know, linked investment service platforms. So, you know, these are platforms uh, run by some of the different um, financial services groups. And, and they, you know, they really control which funds can be listed on their platforms. So, you know, if you're looking for a particular unit trust, you may have to shop around to see where you can get it and where it is accessible. Whereas uh, ETFs, you know, as long as they meet all the listing requirements by the JSC and the various regulations, they can be listed and available to purchase. So it's... Um, um, and of course, you know, the, the, uh, by definition, these are trading throughout the day. So you can buy them in the morning or the afternoon. You can see the, the price throughout the day. So the price moves as the market's moving during the day. Whereas unit trusts are only traded, you know, one price per day. Okay. So it's really the operating environment that's different. So there is a little bit of a risk involved if you go with an ETF. Well, I suppose it depends on... You know, you mean in terms of the movement of the market during the day? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, you would be exposed to that risk with a unit trust, um, but you wouldn't have any control over it because the, the, the fund issue would just tell you that that's the price for the day. Um, and then what happens when you, you know, when people buy in and out of uh, unit trust, the costs for all the other people buying in and out are divided by all the holders of the unit trust. Whereas when you, when you trade an, an ETF, you pay the commission to the broker, so you know it, the, the the costs are very transparent and explicit. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in that ETF, 
you know, you're not exposed to any of those other transaction costs of other people, you know, buying and selling the fund, which are normally, you know, divided by all the, the holders of the unit trust. If you've just joined us, we're talking about exchange-traded funds, everything that you need to know about it. And if you'd like to invest in it, give us a call if you have any questions. I'm talking to Michelle North, and she is an, an ETF expert. The number to call is 086-00-00959. If you have any questions, call in and you can ask that question. Or if you have any comments, if you've invested in ETFs, what do you think about it? Uh, give us a call and let us know. Okay, so Michelle, we spoke about the risk. What I mean, you know, we have so many different ETFs. As I said, you know, they've been listed on the market for quite a while, two decades. What is available out there for someone wanting to enter into this market? Well, we're very lucky in South Africa because we're getting more and more choice. And, you know, this market is growing exponentially. You know, we've now got close to 100 different ETFs listed on the JSD. And there's really a wide range. So you can get all different kinds of um, South African equity exposure, but you can also get convenient access to other asset classes, such as preference shares or property, bonds. Um, You've got a wide range of global exposure, so you can have, you know, just a a broad global exposure with something like an MSCI world, but you can also have individual countries like China or the US. So I think most people are familiar with an index like the S&P 500, so that's you know, by buying one share of an ETF that gives you exposure to that index would mean that you're actually holding uh, 500 of the biggest companies in the US and you own those and you're receiving dividends from those. Uh, so it's a really nice, simple way to own a range of companies, a range of sectors uh, in just one, you know, one, one easy trade. I suppose it gives you really good diversification depending on which ETF, but all of them, it doesn't just give you one stock, it gives you a variety. Absolutely. And, you know, we all we all know the, the phrase that, you know, diversification is the only free lunch in investing. <laughs> you know, by, by having a basket of, of shares or, you know, a, a wide range of companies, it means you still get exposure to that growth story. So, that, you know, the economy is growing and the companies are doing better, but you, you minimize the risk of, having that one dud company, you know, that one cycle or all these other sort of potholes that we've come across in the recent years. If you've got a broad basket of shares that, you know, those individual companies that, you know, very few people manage to predict are only a very, very tiny portion of your basket. And that's really the, uh, the most pragmatic way to, you know, manage risk is to, to be nicely diversified. So you said there's close to 100 ETFs on the JSC. How does one go about finding the right one? Or is there a right one? Is it a chance? I mean, how, how do you pick which one you want to start investing in? No, absolutely. And I think sometimes having so much choice can, you know, make that a daunting first step. You know, the first thing with any investment is really just to identify your goals um, and your risk appetite. And, 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 and along with that, you know, comes time horizons as, as well. So, for example, if you've been saving up some money and it's for your holiday in six months' time, um, you know, the kind of investment that's going to be right for you, what you do with that money that you want to spend on a holiday in six months' time is very different from the kind of investments that are going to be appropriate for your retirement in 20 years' time. So I think that's, you know, that's the first thing that investors need to do um, is to understand what their goals are and also, you know, what what their risk tolerances are. So, you know, equities and, and property stocks and these sort of higher higher growth type of investments, 
uh, they can they can go up and down, and there can be some quite big uh, you know ups and downs in the near term, as we've seen particularly not, you know over the course of twenty twenty. Um, and you need to you, you need to know whether you can stomach that to be able to reap the reward in the long term. Um, so to, you know to give you an, an example of that, if you if you know that you've got a twenty year view, this is part of your um, you know retirement plan, and you're not going to be worried if it goes down in six months' time because you know that you know over the long term you're going to you know this kind of investment is one that gives you growth. Um, then you would be looking at those growth assets like like equities and properties, and you could even look at some offshore exposures as well. Just you know in that theme of diversification that we spoke about earlier, and you know we don't really. Uh, you know, when you when you're talking about people's financial goals and long term goals, we we don't you don't need to say I'm going to invest offshore because I have a negative view on South Africa. It doesn't even need to be. Um, mm. You know, it's not trying to predict what the South African economy is doing. It's simply saying there's this whole big wide world of investments and growth possibilities and economies out there. I'm not going to just play in this one little tiny market you know, because South Africa is such a, you know, the companies here uh, that we have in South Africa are such a tiny portion of all the companies in the world. So let me just look at this through the diversification lens and say, uh, you know, I want to include some offshore investing in my portfolio here or in my investment strategy simply to make sure I've got you know, more diversification, more, more companies, more, more countries, more sectors. So, you know, that's, that's the benefit of having all this choice. If you want to go and invest, I mean, if you take an ETF that's tracking international funds, uh, maybe in a specific country, you know, the currency, our currency is so volatile. How do you manage that? Is that a big risk for somebody going into an ETF, something that they need to know up front? Absolutely. So, you know, the, the ETFs that we're talking about that are listed on the currency, uh, even offshore exposures, those are, those are listed in RAND. So that means you are exposed to that currency fluctuation. And, you know, we all know that our RAND is an incredibly volatile currency. So, you know, lots of ups and downs. Um, and I think that just goes back to that time horizon and, you know, the different goals. If you you have got some money that you want to spend on a holiday in six months' time for a holiday in South Africa where you're going to be spending loans, then investing in offshore exposure or an ETF that's giving you exposure to something like the S&P 500, for example, might be a risky bet because, you know, it's really hard to, to tell whether the round is going to be stronger or weaker six months from today. But we can say with a reasonable amount of certainty that in 20 years' time, the round is going to be weaker uh, than it is today. So, you know, when you have that longer-term view, you've got more certainty that, you know, you'll get that added benefit from having some offshore exposure in your portfolio. That's, you know, because we have higher inflation in South Africa than we do, than, you know, than they do in developed markets. You know, you would expect the round to continue to um, mm-hmm. lose value against a currency like the dollar or the pound or the euro. Um, but the short-term movements are quite, quite tricky or, you know, impossible to predict. So, again, you must have the right expectation and the right time horizon. So, you know, if you know that this is a, a, a nest egg from 20 years' time, then you must just be prepared to not be worried 
if your investment mm. goes down in six months' time, but you must, you know, keep your eye on that long-term goal. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's always important to understand your risk appetite. I mean, you know, how much of an appetite do you have for those fluctuations in the market? And it's also a time game. You have to be really patient with these things. So I think you're right to say that, you know, really depending on how long you're going to leave it there, because you will see these kind of fluctuations. Michelle, what about the requirements? How much does one need to start investing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, ETFs are very accessible. So, you know, in theory, you can buy one share of an ETF. Um, but, you know, and these are, you know, these are, these are kind of very small amounts. But, you know, even nowadays, I know there are some of the stockbroking, uh, you know, online share trading platforms that allow you to even buy part shares. Mm-hmm. So I know that, you know, for example, um, Easy Equities has that capability. I'm sure there's some others as well. Um, and it really is, um, you know, it's, you, you know, you have to look at what the different sort of cost structures are and to, to see, you know, if it's, if there is a minimum that makes sense. You know, some of the platforms might have, you know, minimum account fees. But in general, I know, you know, some of the online share trading platforms are very cost effective. There's no account fees. There's, you know, very, very low minimum or no minimum. So, yeah, it's really, um, you know, not not much of a, um, a blocking point there for people to get, get started, I would say. You know, just, you know, you know as soon as you sort of, decided that you're going to have a look at it, you know, just, just find the right share trading platform that suits you. I mean, most of the banks also have, you know, Standard Bank has a share trading mm. platform, AXA, uh, uh, f etc., and and get started, really. I think there's so many more platforms available, like we have so many more ETFs available, but there's so many, it's so accessible these days. And uh, and, and you're right, in some platforms, you can start with very little, like 100 bucks, 200 bucks, and slowly build that up into your ETFs. Michelle, we've got another Michelle on the line that's calling from Pretoria, and she has a question. A very good evening to you. Hi, my name is Michelle, not Michelle. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've got it on the caller box here. Yeah? Sorry, it's Michelle. Yes. Yes, I've just got a, a quick question around mm. uh, ETF. Well, I'm new to ETFs. If I if I'm interested in a practical example in a share, two shares, one is Narspace and the other one is say um, Amazon. How would I go about looking at the ETFs that contain that uh, share, and if there's any ones you can recommend? Are you asking if the two must be in one ETF, or are you looking at different ETFs? Because NASPAS South African. If it was separate, if if I looked at it separately, Mm -hmm. how do I go searching for this and how do I, where do I uh, find it? Michelle? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question because there isn't an easy tool where you can, you know, type in a share and then just get a list of all the ETFs that that hold that um, share. And and actually, the list would be quite extensive, you know, because there's thousands and thousands of these ETFs globally. But, you know, these are big companies that you are talking about. And, um, for example, Master uh, would, would be in you know most certainly in um, all the, the you know the normal market cap weighted yes. indices on the South African market. So you know Nasdaq is uh, you know the biggest holding in things like the, the top forty or the the cautious top fifty ETFs. So Nasdaq is a big holding in in all of those. Okay. Um, then Amazon again is also uh, you know I can actually look. Specifically on the S&P 500. would be in Naspers would be in the Satrix, so wouldn't it be available there? Yes, of course. So, um, so Naspers is 
So Statrix is an ETF issuer and, and they track, you know, different indices. So uh, sorry, when I say the top 40, that's the yeah. name of the index. And then there is a Statrix product tracking one. And there's also the, you know, the top 50 uh, index, which has got, you know, 50 shares instead of 40. So quite similar, um, but just a broader basket. And that's, you know, there's a core shares ETF tracking that index. So for example, I can tell you off the top of my head that in the core share top 50 NASDAQ is about 10% of that um, ETF, and in the the Satrix top 40, it's close to 20% of of that ETF. Okay, thank you. And then on Amazon, uh, in the S&P 500, Amazon is around a 4% weighting. So obviously, as you can imagine, S&P 500 has got 500 shares, so all the individual shares, you know, have have smaller weight than an index that has only got 14 or 15 shares, I suppose you can sort of imagine that. So so Amazon at 4.4%. In the S and P five hundred is, is actually one of the biggest shares in that index, and it is available on the JSE. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. There's a core share one, a signal one, and a Satrix um, ETF tracking the S and P five hundred index. Michelle, thanks so much for calling in and asking those questions. So there you have it. At least, you know, you've got those two. But as you say, there's close to 100 different ETFs. And if you go onto your uh, trading platform, you'd be able to search and see what's in each ETF. I mean, if you have the time and if you're looking for something specifically. So the S&P, I mean, there is so much more international ETFs that are available on the JSC, which you can access very easily today. Absolutely. Michelle, before we wrap it up, what are the benefits? I mean, if you wanted to go into an ETF, if if you had the choice of going into an ETF or buying a specific stock or a, a different shares on the JSE, what are the benefits? What would take you to an ETF? Well, I think this just really goes back to the diversification benefits. So I think it's, it's really hard to choose, you know, one or two shares that, you know, are going to be the high performer. You know, there's, there's a lot of really highly qualified professionals that struggle to do it. So I think for, you know, the rest of us, it's, 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 it's even harder. And really the, you know, kind of the safest way to invest in equities is to just make sure that you've got a broad basket so that you've got, you know, exposure to the whole economy, the whole growth story, but not that risk of, having too much exposure to one particular company that could have a fraud scandal or a management scandal, you know, any of those company specific risks. And you know, I think the the one thing about ETFs being so accessible is that really the onus is on you as the investor to understand what is inside that ETF. So the fact mm. that it is available on the JSE and, and easy for you to access doesn't necessarily mean it is appropriate for, you know, your your goals or your, you know, what your risk appetite. So you really need to sort of understand what is in that ETF and uh, how volatile it might be, for example, in a different you know, in a different sort of market scenarios or economic scenarios that we might encounter and be prepared for that. But yeah, looking at compared to an individual share, I mean there's a lot of similarities. So, you know, ETFs uh, most of them do pay dividends. And so you can you can arrange some of the share trading platforms allow you to automatically reinvest those dividends. But if you do want to have that sort of stream of uh, that cash flow stream from your investments, you can still get that with, with ETFs. And it's also just the convenience of, you know, mm. with, you, you could have, you know, some, some South African equity, some South African property, some global equity, some global property, some bonds, uh, some preference shares. You could just have like a lot of different kinds of investments just with having a handful of 
shares to trade. Yeah. Um, and it's just a very neat and convenient way of making a nice diversified investment portfolio for yourself. Yeah, I think it's just, it's so much easier just buying that basket full of different things in there. And then as you say, the dividends also get paid out. So if any of those companies are reporting results and they're issuing a dividend, you get those dividends. And obviously there's an option there depending on the platform that you add and what the rules of the ETF are, but you will get those dividends either they reinvested or you get them paid out to you and then you decide what to do with them. Michelle, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Michelle North is an ETF expert, client coverage executive from Core Shares. Thank you for your time. My Money and Me every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.